This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he's the Billy Crystal, my Seth MacFarlane, Perry Seibert. How you doing, Perry? Oh, can't I be like the Steve Martin, your Alec Baldwin? Can't okay, I, yeah, that'd be, let's I do that. Let's, let's, that. Let's, 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 we co-host the show. There we should be co-hosts. Well, <laughs> you know, I didn't even think of that. But my first co-host came out was like Anne Hathaway and James Franco. No, and yeah, like, you nope, can't do that. No one wants to remember you can't that. Do that. That's bad. So. <laughs> That's bad. How are you doing, Perry? I am. I am. Excellent. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on a little bit of lack of sleep from the night before we're doing this the day after the Oscar telecast. And I am, uh, I am super eager to talk about a show that I greatly enjoyed. I am really excited to talk about this. Uh, it is been also a while since we've done this. So I'm excited to be back doing this. We had uh, a few life things get in the way, but we're back. We're back on schedule and uh, yeah, we got some fun things in the work. So please stay tuned. We are going to talk about the Oscars today. There is a lot to talk about with that. But before we do that, Perry, what have you been watching? I have been reading, Chris. I have a book recommendation. Um, One of my very favorite uh, entertainment writers seems such a dismissive term. One of my favorite nonfiction writers about about movies and uh, uh, theater and TV and pop culture is Sam Wasson, who probably most people, if you aren't familiar at all with the name, would recognize him most as the guy who wrote the biography of Bob Fosse that Fosse Verdon is based on. Okay. A couple years ago. He has written a bunch of really great books, uh, most of them about movies. He wrote a great book called Improv Nation that traced the history of improv and uh, basically putting forth in the book that it's a truly American art form. Uh, That is a great book. Highly recommend. But he published his most recent book, and it is about the making of Chinatown. Oh. It is one of the best things I've read in a long time <laughs> in that it is thoroughly accessible. Even if you don't know this story, I mean, yes, I would hope you would have some interest in Chinatown going in. I don't know if you don't know anything about it that you would care, but if you have even a passing interest, it, uh, it what it does is it tells uh, it, it tells the story of how Chinatown came together by telling the background and interactions between the four men most responsible for it. Roman Polanski, Robert Evans, Jack Nicholson, uh, and uh, Robert Town, the screenwriter. Uh, and it is just fabulous. <laughs> it, uh, I love the way Wasson writes because he has the ability to sort of take on the tenor of whatever he's writing about. The early sections of this book where he talks about Robert Town coming up with the initial idea and the years he spent working on it uh, takes on the feeling of Raymond Chandler just in the tone, just in the sentence structure. Uh, it's a really it's a really neat trick that he pulls off doing that. And he doesn't stick with it for the whole book. It's just sort of that section. And it doesn't seem showy. He's that good. Uh, it's great history. It is very clear-eyed. It does not, it is not, it is not unnecessarily romantic about any of them. <laughs> 
I won't say it is without romance because there was a lot of romance in that period, but it is, uh, it's very clear eyed about all of them. And it's a really great slice of, of Hollywood history. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, is this the, uh, the big goodbye? Yes. The big goodbye. Okay. I had heard people talking about this last year yeah. and it is, I actually purchased it. It is Cindy sitting in my Kindle queue right now. <laughs> um, and a little inside baseball, it might come in handy in a few episodes. It's so, true. It's true. Um, but I actually, I also got it because I recently, and I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or just told you after, I read uh, Robert Evans' book, um, yes. The Kid Stays in the, the Picture, picture. <laughs> recently. And that made me want to read this book after that. So uh, I am looking forward to that. I will bump that up on the list. I'll be on a beach in a few weeks and need some, see some beach reading. If you have never seen the documentary that was made out of The Kid Stays in the Picture, do it do it even if you've read the book you need to see the doc it's fantastic and that one is in my amazon queue and it's been there for a (laughs) a few weeks so it's it's so good oh well i'm glad the book sounds good because yeah like i said it's been sitting there and i just haven't picked it up yet but uh, i will be doing that shortly um i've been watching quite a bit in the last few weeks it feels like that's kind of all i've done recently uh and i really hadn't settled on one to talk about until I looked at my letterbox list and was like, Oh, this one might be a, this one was kind of fun to talk about. So uh, I recently saw freaky. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard of this. Yes. This, yes. I know what this is. This is the freaky Friday serial killer movie. Yes. The original yes, title, right. the original title is uh, <laughs> freaky Friday, the 13th. And uh you know, I watched this. This was just a lark the other week. I was, uh, you know, my wife was um, occupied in the other room for a bit and I had a free evening. I'm like, well, what should I watch? And I knew I had, this had come out around Christmas last year and I just never got around to it. And I'm like, it's a lazy Saturday night. I've had a little bit to drink. I've eaten good. I'm just going to watch something dumb. And so I rented Freaky. And this is exactly what that title, that original title sums it up to be. It is about a Jason Voorhees type serial killer played by Vince Vaughn who stabs a victim with a mystical dagger and switches bodies with her. And this movie is... As you uh, do. As as happens. Um, I don't know how you felt about this whole genre, subgenre growing up. I was at the right age where I was a kid who loved slasher movies growing up. They, they were they were fun for me. And they're still like, I recognize half of them are awful. But I have also sat and watched a seven-hour documentary about all the Friday the 13th movies. And a four-hour documentary about all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And I, I just have this little sweet spot for, for a good dumb slasher movie and i also love a good high concept comedy and this one's a lot of fun it plays out for the first half hour or so like a typical slasher movie it's r-rated it's violent it's really over the top uh vince vaughn actually is really kind of intimidating and menacing and then after about a half hour he switches places with millie uh played by Catherine newton and he is basically this you know, 50 year old man who is trapped in a teenage girl's body and a teenage girl is trapped in his body. (laughs) And Vince Vaughn plays it really well as this teenager where it's really funny. You know, he has all the mannerisms of a teenage girl. He, he really physically just, just is funny to watch in this, just the posture he's, he gets and everything. 
But there are a few times he actually has to hit like an emotional moment as like, you know, the girls with her crush or something. And he doesn't turn it into a joke. He plays it really well. Nice. And then uh, Catherine Waterston as, you know, as the killer, she has a lot of fun with this idea that there's this big hulking killer who suddenly finds himself in this tiny body. And, you know, he's not strong anymore. And it's, it's a fun little movie. Um, yeah, it really captured kind of, you know, the fun I had of watching those as a teen. But it's also far enough along. Bloomhouse knows this stuff really well. And Christopher Landon, the director of it, he uh, he did, I think, the Happy Death Day movies, which I haven't seen, but I know they have their fans. And he understands just how to, uh, you know, how to go for the gory gag, but also when to just steer into the humor, <laughs> when to make it a little scary. And yeah, I mean, this isn't, Listen, I saw The Father a few weeks ago, too, and I thought about bringing that up, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. So on an Oscars episode, weird to talk about Freaky, but it is a fun movie, and I, I had a good time with this one. Good. I am glad you did. So, so yeah, that is what we've been watching, and now we are going to talk about the 93rd Oscars. Am I correct? That is correct, my friend. 93. And we are uh, we are recording this about... 24 hours after they started so 24 hours ago we did not know that glenn close could do the butt um <laughs> and we are you know oh, ha- you, i guess i should do have not, assumed do not dare to speak for me in this regard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it, it, it's interesting because we had planned to talk about this in advance because that's kind of what we do but having a day to kind of have the Oscars and then prepare for this podcast and monitor my Twitter feed. And it is so striking the divide. It is almost 50 50 in my Twitter feed and on my Facebook feed, people who loved the Oscars and people who outright hated last night's show. And I mean, the people who hated it really hated it. And so we'll talk to the winners in a bit, but just as a show, you've already said you enjoyed this. Why, why don't you start? What, what, did you, what did you enjoy about this? I think so, we both really liked it. All I ever want from the Oscars, all I want as a movie lover is I want to, I want to hear the winners speak in every category. I am not bored by this. That is the drama of an award show is watching people have to public speak. Remember the old Jerry Seinfeld bit about how the biggest fear in the world is public speaking. It's ahead of death, which Mm -hmm. means people at a funeral would rather be in the coffin than give the speech. (laughs) Like that's how scary this is. I I find inherent drama in that. uh, And I loved, I loved, it's my life stream. No one got played off. That's all I've ever wanted for an Oscar telecast. That alone, had they done nothing else, this would have been my favorite Oscar telecast just for the fact that they let everybody speak as long as they wanted to. On top of that, you had people, it felt intimate. The Oscars never feel intimate. I felt like I was hanging out with the people who made the movies this year, cause I was. That's what this was. I felt a sense of collegiality that only happens at the Globes because everybody's drunk. This felt, if you watch the Globe show, and I did we talk about the Globe show? I can't remember. I don't think so because I did not watch the Globes. It was a nightmare. 
it was everything that could possibly be awful about a doing an award show uh, in, in the time of COVID. Having the nominees in separate places, just sitting there on a Zoom call, having four of them never get to say anything was atrocious. That was that was awful to watch. That was awful to look at. This was great. <laughs> I loved what Steven Soderbergh did here by figuring out how to have everybody there safely, letting everybody talk about how much they liked everybody's work, giving us feedback into why the people who were the sound guys cared to become sound guys. <laughs> That's This matters. <laughs> this is storytelling. This is inclusion. I'm not saying the show is perfect, nor to everyone's tastes. All I'm saying is it is my favorite Oscar telecast, devoid of talking about who won or lost in my lifetime. I, I can't believe how great this was for me. And I, I, I thank Steven Soderbergh for this, among many other things, for, for putting this together. Yeah, I'm I'm really in the same boat with you. Uh, I have a love-hate with the Oscars. Like, I love talking about the winners and the nominees. I like a few of the little, you know, the goofy montages sometimes or, you know, the, the little things that they do to fill space is basically what they're doing and, and keep viewers engaged. I like all that, but there's also there's a stuffiness to it. There's a self-importance that just always seems to like draw down. Like I'm just like loosen up. The movies are fun and I want to have fun. And I, I I feel like there's very little personality to most Oscar ceremonies. Right. Like I don't I don't really pay attention to who produces the Oscars. It's because I figure they've got the same job. Put the people on the stage. Keep it moving. And I'm sure I'm simplifying that. And but but there's not I couldn't you, pick out. You would feel different if you were. I don't know. Were, were you old enough to be watching the year Rob Lowe and Snow White sang together? Um, I've seen flashbacks. See, I was watching live <laughs> and okay. I've had flashbacks. OK, it's, it's it, I started paying attention to who was producing the Oscar show at that point on. <laughs> OK, I think the first time I noticed that, oh, there's a producer who has a hand in this was, uh, you know, I, I guess I knew it, but a few years ago, I don't know if you remember they, it was about 10 years too late. They did a tribute to the movie Chicago, <laughs> like, like in like <laughs> 2011, they just stopped the show cold for a tribute yes. to Chicago. And I'm like, yeah, what? sure. I guess it won best picture 10 years ago. And yeah, I vaguely remember enjoying it. And then I realized, Oh, the people who produce Chicago produce the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. But there isn't really like I couldn't go back and watch clips of an old Oscars show. Like aside from moments like that, and say, "Oh, this was the year so and so did it. This was the year." Oh so yeah. And so produced it. This totally. year, absolutely from first frame. Like you could tell Soderbergh's hand in this. It had that light feel. Uh, we've talked about before. He has this very casual feel, and I, I loved that opening shot of Regina King walking in just me too. so much fun to watch the music under that. It felt breezy. And then it's widescreen. Yeah. That he should, that they broadcast it in two, three, five to one. Yes. Remind people, this is the movies. Well, and I saw several people tweeting. This looks like a movie that takes place at an awards show. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. This, this that's looks point. good and it looks fun. And, Oh, I, I always think about, you know, I would hate to be in the Kodak theater with, you know, all those people 
and all the hassle they have to go through to find their seat, get up. What if I have to go to the bathroom? You know, all the rules. But looking at that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I would love to be in that room right now. Just sitting at a table with, with you know, three or four you know actors or just just knowing they're all in there kind of hanging out. I, I kind of wish they had had drinks, but uh, I understand. No, I'm glad they didn't. Honestly, then it's the Globes. This, okay. That was that was what I really liked about this. I will also say, and you know, I I told my wife, I told my children, uh, I'm not going to ask our our loyal listeners. I don't want anything more in this life than one of those lamps. That's all I want. <laughs> I want one of those Oscar 2021 lamps that I can have on my desk table. That was those were awesome. I've never cared about the art decor of the Oscars. Yeah, that was great. No, they <laughs> they took a train station and turned it into the Oscars and. That was a cool setting to be in. I liked the vibe of it. But like you said, I loved, I've heard, I've seen people complain about that it was a very talky Oscars. Yes, it was. And it was talky. It was also, in terms of Oscar broadcast, fairly short. It was done before 1130. Uh, yes, it was. Um, and I still wish he'd gotten it in in three hours. But yeah, yes, it was, it was, it was, it was over. But yes, I, I, and, I didn't need the comedy bit that late. Let's just wrap this up. <laughs> but yes, okay. And, and there were missteps. And I'm sure we'll talk about yes. a big one in a little bit. Um, but even that, like when we get to that, I, there was a reason I found that kind of delightful. Um, but yeah, I mean, how many times have you seen the Oscars take the time to talk about someone who was nominated for best costume and what got them into the industry and what they enjoy about doing that. I mean, that is cool. This is supposed to be a celebration of movie making. And often it feels like it's a big commercial for the stars or a time to look at the movies, but kind of just blow past the whole mentioning of who made the movies. Yes. And there are people who's, you know, we're never going to hear some of these names again. This is their one time to sit in that room and be recognized. And that's awesome that they got to do it. Like, I absolutely loved watching the camera, like, just go from nominee to nominee in those smaller categories. There was someone who just shot daggers at the camera, too. I don't know if you caught this. <laughs> I he, don't remember offhand, but I totally believe I, you. I can't remember what it was, but she just, she did not want to be on camera. And she <laughs> stared it down, and it was fantastic. Um, But the speeches too, like, I'm not someone who normally like remembers an Oscar speech because there's so many of them. And then by the time they're played off, I'm kind of like, oh, they were just getting good. Or I just remembered they played them off. I'm going to remember Vinterberg's speech. Yes, that was fantastic. That was fantastic. Or Daniel Kaluuya talking about his parents (laughs) having sex and then cutting to his mom and sister's reaction. Yes my favorite thing it, that's maybe ever happened at an Oscar. Like I laughed so good for that. I, yeah, I loved the show. Did it bother you that there were not clips? Cause I saw no, a lot of people. I understand that. And it wouldn't have bothered me had there been clips that uh, that decision is fine with me. I mean, I, I get it, especially for something like, or even stills for stuff like cinematography and art direction and hair and makeup. You could, you could do that unobtrusively, but I don't mind that they didn't. <laughs> I'm fine for once. That's okay. Let's encourage people to seek these movies out. <laughs> this is the year in which they're going to have to do that. Hence Francis McDormand's speech at the end of the night. You know, See these in a theater, in the biggest screen you can that's what this had to be so yes i like the idea of not giving it away this year i've i was fine with that yeah i i was the same i i've seen 
you know, I, I've, I've seen all the best picture nominees. I've seen the majority of the nominees. I, I saw the movies. I know what's in them. You know, I don't need them to yeah. trot out Glenn Close talking about Terminators again. Like, yeah, like I, I don't need that. Um, but I do like to hear them talk about what got them into the movies. Why do they like going to the movies? That's interesting for me. And then later when they started bringing clips in it, I wouldn't say it added to the experience for me. Like, okay, there's onward. I've seen onward. That's what it looks like. Um, It was fine. I was really glad there were no montages, like no show stopping, you know, I, I have YouTube for that now. Like, <laughs> like I don't need to stop and see the salute to the Western. I'm not going to complain if it's done right, but they yeah. often feel padding out. That's where I am with those. I, I prefer those to, um, you know, I, I started watching the Oscars in the eighties and I remember just interminable Debbie Allen choreographed dance numbers for no reason. And that's way worse. That's, that's, that's not even cinematic. So I, I, you know, I, I, I'll take a good montage over those anytime. Um, I don't, I did, like I said, I didn't miss the montages this time. I'm, I am always good with the best songs being performed. However, I was also really fine with having them dumped off during the pre-show in the first hour. (laughs) That's really good. I'm okay with that decision, especially since I don't find any of those songs particularly memorable, <laughs> nor do they define my remembrances of any of those films. So that's, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, I suppose, are we are we going to get to the end of the show now? Are we going to talk about the, the decision to delay best pick or, or to preempt to bring up best picture, in the um, night, which, which threw me off at the time, like nothing else. I have to admit that was where I was like, "Ooh, ooh, that's a tradition." I don't know that we can stop. That's, yeah, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, I had one other quibble we can get to, but I uh, didn't know. I think that's the big thing is the switch up with best picture and then the best actor, best actress. That that was the time where I was like, "Oh, it's hitting a skid here." That is kind of. I didn't anticipate that. I didn't know why they were doing that, and then. I started to figure out, oh, this is why they're doing that, uh, was, I think, to set up the idea that if Chadwick Boseman won, you would have that emotional closer. Um, And the fact that that didn't happen and it didn't happen so spectacularly. I've seen so many people complain that it was such an anticlimactic end of the show. And that was my first instinct was, well, that's anticlimactic. But I'm like, they were holding all this off, reorganizing everything on a bet on a bet that they would get this certain clothes that would send people out in tears. Not only did that not happen, but the person who won was not there. That cracked me up. And and apparently Olivia Coleman was supposed to accept it on his behalf and nobody told Joaquin Phoenix. Oh my God. Literally like there was a, it was a production. uh, I don't want to say debacle because I don't think it was terrible. I'll be honest with you because as it happened when, and I mean, as it happened, when, when the, when best pictures come out and I realized they're doing this now, my thought was, okay, well, everyone knew what was going to win best picture. Mm -hmm. And honestly, actor and actors were the only two of the big categories where there was any drama where I didn't know for sure. Yes, there were favorites, but it wasn't a mortal lock like Daniel Kaluuya was. There was no way Daniel Kaluuya wasn't going to win that Oscar. There was no way Chloe Zhao wasn't going to win director. There was no way Nomadland wasn't going to win Best Picture. 
So I, I thought maybe that was the, that might have been half of the thinking. Yes, they probably thought Chadwick Boseman would win and that would be a great way to close the show. But I don't know that they expected it. I don't think they rearranged it specifically for that alone. I, I think it was, my guess is it was a factor. I also think though, there might've been something, and I don't know how, like, I, I haven't had time to research this. I saw it on Twitter heading up to the room. But uh, I, it, at the earliest Oscar telecast, I heard that that's how they presented it. It was best picture and then best actor and actress. And oh. there was a lot of remarks going Could into be. this that this smaller ceremony, this more kind of intimate cocktail reception type thing is like what they did at the first few Oscars. And a few of the winners mentioned that too. Yeah. And so I was wondering if maybe that was an homage to that, but I think you're also right about the predictability. Like I know people went in saying, Oh, no one knows what's going to win best picture, but I, I feel like the <laughs> narrative was there. The narrative was there. There was no way no man land was going to lose. No. And no you chance. know, I've said several times, Nomadland was my number one movie of last year, but I was getting to the point where I was kind of hoping for a Minari surprise because it doesn't have, you know, Minari's not on Hulu. It doesn't have Disney running the campaign behind it. So I was kind of hoping for a little surprise, but I was very happy Nomadland won. But yeah, I, I mean, best picture or best actor was where I was sitting there going, I don't I don't know who will win. I don't even know who I want to win. <laughs> so save it till the end of the night because that's great. There's some suspense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I honestly, I mean, I, I, I picked Bozeman, but I expected if he didn't win it, that Hopkins was going to win it. He was my, he was the backup to me for me. I, I, just prediction wise. I don't, I don't have any idea which one I'd actually vote for. Well, that's not true of the two. I would actually put Hopkins ahead. That's the other thing I'm okay with about this. I think it's a better performance and Chadwick Boseman's excellent in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I am not knocking Chadwick Boseman's performance. I'm just saying I like that one better. And that gets at the heart of when I talk about people who aren't, you know, as invested at this at the level that, that you and I are. I always say, look, no, get, get it out of your head that you're picking the best performance. Just pick a great performance. As long as as long as it's not an embarrassing win like Crash winning Best Picture, that's fine. You're not gonna. <laughs> no one's gonna be offended. <laughs> and you can even pick a subpar performance if it's somebody who you know is getting it because they should have won it five times before. That's fine. Nobody's offended by that except the person who should have won, Denzel Washington for Malcolm X. But that said, I am. I am. I. I think that's that is the other thing i love about this is that both best actor and best actress are deserved i would have i would have voted for viola davis over francis mcdormand i expected viola davis to win it i think she'd won enough of the stuff beforehand and it just seemed that that was exactly right <laughs> it felt like that was what was going to happen uh and i think that uh i don't think francis mcdormand expected to win based on that speech and i don't think she cares to win one again based on that speech not that i think she's ever picked anything because she wanted to win an oscar for it no i i was kind of rooting for carrie mulligan in that one um i i really just i really liked promising young woman but i i liked all this was an oscar where like i was putting together the obligatory you know pre-oscar list on my news feed last week my newsletter last week mm -hmm. and i really I, I came to the conclusion i'm like i don't know care who wins because yeah, they're all good they're, I mean, yeah, there have been years where I've gone in and, and been like, I don't want The Revenant to win. You know, I don't oh, want yeah. 
<laughs> I don't want the front runner to win and I'm going to sulk the whole night because I know how this is going to go. Yes. And actually with the Revenant, I was surprised it didn't win. But uh, that last night I was, I went in going like, you know, there are eight best picture winners. There are two I'm probably a little less hot on, but I still enjoyed. So I'm not going to be upset if say, Mank surprises everyone and wins best picture. <laughs> you know, I, I like Mank. It's not near the top of my list, but it's, you know, it's in my top 20. I list. like it a lot. Yeah. My jaw would have dropped had it won best picture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and even like, yeah, I mean, sentimentally, I would have really liked Chadwick Boseman to win, but I did see the father last week and Anthony Hopkins is one of our great actors giving one of his top three performances. Like, yeah. I, I can't argue against that. And right. it, it felt like the awards were spread out so well last night, too. Like, every almost everything got something. Sorry, Aaron Sorkin, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> you know, almost everything got something. That's and they he, were... gets, he gets Paulina Porskova, apparently. He's fine. <laughs> He's not hurting. But, but like, yeah, I, I would have loved to see Minari surprise with, like, uh, Best Picture. But you know what? The award it won. Fantastic. Like, and that speech was so great. That speech was fantastic. Yes, it was. Yeah. That was one of the better speeches of the night. Yes. And there were, that was the other thing that I will say, you know, there were no, with the possible exception of, you know, so let's talk about this. This leads into another, I think, really great choice by Soderbergh. You know, they decided to let the Gene Hersholt humanitarian winners speak and showcase them to, to showcase what the film industry does mm -hmm. and the good people in it. That's brilliant. And uh, I am no Tyler Perry fan, but uh, but that was as close to a truly sort of transcendent speech that you're going to get yeah. at the Oscars. Not that it's necessarily terribly memorable. There's stuff I'm going to remember better. But as far as a chance to take your five minutes, four minutes, however long the speech went, and to actually say something of importance. Tyler Perry did it. I'll give him that. <laughs> By all yeah. means, I'll give him that. It was it was a really great speech. Uh, I like that. I like the fact that it's one of those years where they spread the wealth, and I figured they would, and I also figured that's why Carrie Mulligan wasn't going to win Best Actress. They were going to give that screenplay from the top. We we kind of expected this. That was that, was, and even that I thought was bold because <laughs> I don't think that screenplay is perfect, <laughs> but it sure is original. And so I'm glad it won. I have no problem with it winning. Uh, and I, I uh, yeah, it just it just all fit. They were only, like I said, there were, there were, sure, there were moments that didn't work particularly well. I don't understand why, after Chloe Zhao's absolutely beautiful speech accepting the best director Oscar, they played her out with Live and Let Die. <laughs> that was, oh, Questlove, no, no, that, no. But I will say, having Questlove there as a DJ, Fantastic. that was awesome. That, that was great. And I even loved the game. I, I think I agree with you. It came way too, too late. late. Way too late. <laughs> but I, I I liked that better than Ellen DeGeneres ordering a pizza or taking a selfie with sure. everyone or Jimmy Kimmel bringing in normal people to laugh at them. Yes. Like, like I, I liked watching Glenn Close, you know, and yeah, sure. I was a little bummed when my suspicions were confirmed that that Glenn, Hol Glenn Close thing was... Uh, of course you know, it was a plant. But, scripted, yes. But she pulled it off so well that I wasn't 100% sure when it happened. Like, there, <laughs> there was a thought going through, 
Glenn Close doesn't know that much about the butt. But <laughs> can, can we can we talk for a minute about the glory of Glenn Close here? Not yeah. just with this thing. Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a piece of Oscar trivia, and because I I like crunching the numbers, especially after the telecast. Do you realize she is one of five people to have four nomin at least four nominations in both the lead and supporting categories, and she's the only one of those five who doesn't have a win. Oh dear God, <laughs> that's how good she is, and it's amazing she hasn't won. I, it was so cruel to nominate her again this year, along with Olivia Coleman again in the same category. <laughs> <laughs> How cruel are they? That's so mean. But you know what? And, and I would have, I would be sulking by this point. Like I would be like, after I learn I don't win, I'm walking out of the room because I'm petty. But uh, <laughs> you know, she's she's playing along. She's having, and she walks away with one of the highlights of the night. Like absolutely, that's and that's fun. That's absolutely. Like as many people are saying this was a boring Oscar, this was a draggy Oscar, this was a talky Oscar. There are more moments that I woke up still in my mind than I have at any Oscar I can remember. Yeah. Like being able to say, oh, that was a fun moment. That was funny. That moved me. That made me think a little bit more about this movie. Like that's what I want from this. I don't want to say, hey, this movie everyone loved or everyone thought was going to win one. Yeah. And I saw a bunch of clips from that movie that I've seen already two or three times. Like I, I want something different and I want that celebration of movies are this unique thing that require the, you know, the collaboration of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about those people, especially this year when, you know, this is a year where we haven't been with the people we collaborate with. We haven't been with our coworkers, you know, a lot of them haven't been working. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're going to celebrate something, celebrate something. And, you know, sure, there were there were pats on the back that I kind of rolled my eyes at, mostly in the pre-show. I, I did oh, not need... The pre-show was awful. I, the pre-show was awful. I didn't see most of it. I saw a lot on, like, YouTube clips. But I don't need Vin Diesel to welcome <laughs> back to movie theaters talking about the movies like and, and then and then i love the fast and the furious movies like they they are 100 percent my jam but i don't want vin diesel talking about the power of cinema and then to cut to his car doing a tarzan thing yeah. over a bridge yeah um you know i, I like the matthew mcconaughey one a lot better um that recognized theater workers um, if I had one quibble that did stick with me that I don't understand, and it did irk with it, it did irk me, was uh the in memoriam, like just the rapid clip. Like I did not under I understand they were keeping up with the music, but that was so fast. Yeah, I I go back and forth on this. I you know I I I am not. <laughs> I, I I take no offense if someone is offended at how fast it went. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter what you do. You have to do this and nobody's ever happy. There's always, there's always people get left off. There's always uh, an argument over how it should have ended. And boy, I understand that Chadwick Boseman is beloved right now, but I don't know how you don't end with Sean Connery. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. I, I just, I just think that looms larger in this moment. Start with Chadwick Boseman then. <laughs> don't, don't. I, I think that was, that was, 
that made the end all the more painful for those who wish to be pained by the ending of this telecast, which you and I don't need to be, thankfully. Um, but that said, I, I, you know, okay. I would, like I said, I don't want, I would be happy if this was the Oscar telecast forever going forward. I don't need to ever go back to the Dolby. That was fantastic. And if they decide to tighten up the, uh, or, or lengthen out the in memoriam next time, I'm fine by that too. I was going to bring that up, um, you know, next year going back to the Dolby or next year, you know, being at a show like this, the ratings came in and let's be honest, you know, yes, ratings for this were the lowest Oscars ever, but sure. Every single show like this is hemorrhaging viewers. Like yeah. it, that, that is not because the Oscars are bad or people just didn't like this. It, it I mean, that is just the way people watch TV has changed and, I don't think any of these award shows has found a way to, you know, utilize streaming to get, get viewers. Like, but do you think they, they bring Soderbergh back or do anything like this next year? Or do you think it's no. back to business as usual? I think they will go back to business as usual and that will be the hook for the whole show. Yeah. I, it's a classic Coke situation. It, yeah. I, I, I agree. Like I, I, that's kind of the reason I, I also just feel very fond of this show is, I don't think we're seeing it again. And and yeah. that's a shame. I would love them to keep switching it up. I would love them to, you know, I, I know they couldn't do this with weather, but try an outdoor ceremony. That would be fun. Uh, try different things. I don't need to go back to the tuxes and I might welcome a host. A, a host would be fun, but I mean, last night, if we had a host, Billy Crystal would have like trotted out Daniel Kaluuya's parents for like 10 times by nine o'clock. Yeah. So. If if they take anything from this show, just let all the winners talk. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> it wasn't the lowest rated Oscar show because people talked. It was the lowest rated Oscar show because nobody's seen the movies. Yeah. The people who have seen the movies watched. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's who it's for. Just accept that's fine. And I will tell you, I rarely leave the Oscar telecast look thinking about what's coming. It's usually a wrap up to the year. Man, did I adore that West Side Story preview. Oh, I know, <laughs> right? Like, thank you for giving me something to very much look forward to. I'm excited. I was I was eager for this before. I am very, you know, we've talked about this many times. I am very ambivalent about Spielberg. But the second they announced he was doing West Side Story with a Tony Kushner script, I was thinking, yes, this is a brilliant idea. And that trailer did nothing to dissuade me from this excitement. I am I am super eager for this. And I I I love Spielberg. And uh, you know, I, I'm probably a Spielberg apologist in many ways. So I was excited already but i have always wanted him just to go flat out and do a musical yeah because two of my least favorite movies of his uh 1941 and temple of doom um they are movies that don't and and i like temple of doom much more than i like 1941 they're movies (laughs) that fall pretty flat for me except when they have a dance or a musical number yes the opening 10 minutes of temple of doom is the best thing in temple of doom by far. yeah and there's a dance hall fight in 1941 that is a lot of fun surrounded by two hours of whatever else that is cocaine yeah lots and lots of cocaine but i've also started thinking more like i've gone back to the movies you know i've been back you know once or twice and it's been fun but i haven't had that experience yet of being 
in a crowded theater on opening night, seeing something that like really captured me. And man, between West Side Story and In the Heights, the thought of being in a packed theater for a musical with the sound cranked up. Yeah. Like I want that experience like now. Yeah. Like, I, I love that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like people hadn't seen the movies. I think a lot of people just didn't consider there was a movie season this year. Like casual, the people who go to the theater, you know, twice a year, Right. They're not paying attention. They're they're of all years to not pay attention. They're thinking nothing's out because you're not getting the traditional big movies. You're not getting the Marvel movies. You know, so they're they're watching things on streaming that a lot of them well, a lot of them were nominated. So I but I, I don't think they're considering the Oscars. So now they have oh. a lot they can catch up on. Um what I love is even though I had seen all the best picture nominees, I still left thinking oh, there's movies I need to go back and watch now. I have not caught up yet with another round. Neither have I. I'm dying to. I really want to see it. And I know it's on Hulu and it's in my queue on Hulu and I just haven't haven't pressed play on it yet. Well, I'm going to be doing that very soon because I I was interested before, but then after hearing that speech, I kind of feel like, wow, I want to see this now because he put his heart and soul into this. But also I like Mads Mikkelsen. I'm not going to not watch a Mads Mikkelsen movie. And Vinterberg is, I, I say this without reservation, the best Danish filmmaker in half a century, <laughs> 70 years maybe. <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> and I am sure this is excellent. And I need to see it before they do the uh, American remake they announced today with uh, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio, which I'm sure he'll be great. But Is Vinterberg going to direct it? I don't think so. I don't uh, think so. Um, I saw someone bring this up. This will probably go the way of the uh, Tony Erdman remake that was announced yes. with Jack Nicholson and yeah. never happened. And yeah. So is there anything else we need to talk about the Oscars? Uh, I would like to do, just touch on a couple things real quick. Absolutely. The, the ridiculous and the great. Um, Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about the ridiculous. Cause I will take any chance to, to, Talk about how much I dislike this person. Halle Berry <laughs> screwed up the winner's name of the best cinematography twice. I don't understand how that happens, but okay. Let's let him continue to give Halle Berry a microphone. Uh, let's talk about some wonderful trivia. You're, you ready to play some trivia, Chris? I am ready to play trivia. Let's talk about Francis McDormand for a second. Yes. I'm going to test your Oscar history knowledge. Are you ready? Yes. She joined a very exclusive club. She is one of seven people to have three acting Oscars. Wow. Can you name the other six? You could probably get to four of them fairly Uh. easily. Two of them will be harder. One of them might be real hard for for the average, unless you're an Oscar nerd. One of them's going to be real hard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Jack Nicholson. Absolutely. Meryl Streep. Absolutely. Um, There's another really modern one that's easy to get. I'm going to feel really bad when this... When I, when I don't it's three for best actor all in best actor he's retired now oh my gosh this, <laughs> this is compelling radio <laughs> daniel day lewis oh daniel day lewis is yeah damn it yes he joins uh uh ingrid bergman has three walter brennan is okay. the, is, that's the one that's always if you gotta be you gotta be a western or oscar nerd remember walter brennan has three and of course Catherine hepburn has four she's yes. the only actor actress with four okay um but even more spectacular than that francis mcdormand and joel Cohn 
have got to be the only married couple in the history of the world to each have four Oscars. And they very well might be the only married couple in history to each have a Best Picture Oscar. Oh, God. <laughs> For different movies, Chris. <laughs> this is the greatest couple in movie history. Yeah, there's no like, one close. Do they have kids? Because, like, they do. They have the great named Pedro, uh, uh, Pedro McDormand Cone. Their son is nice. Pedro McDormand Cone. Oh, nice. Uh, you keep an eye on him because, like, he, like he, he's just got it in his genes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, this was a historic night for 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 Francis McDormand, and that's why I am, I, I am, I am not upset. She won. She would not have been my first pick, but I am not upset at all. She won for best actress, and I, I like we said, I, the film was going to win. It's it was it, that was quite a victory lap. Yeah. <laughs> for her and i love the fact that they both go whoever's nominated they're both there they let the other one have a good time yeah i it's they just they just i can't wait to see their macbeth i cannot wait to see macbeth I, who else is in that that's denzel washington in that right yes oh my yes. gosh and brendan gleason <laughs> oh gosh yeah i do want to see that there's nothing about this i don't want to see especially joel that- cohen directing a movie without ethan and i and- want to see this and now Scott Rudin's name is totally off it. So, oh, I, I did not know guilty. that he pulled his name off. He pulled his name off a ton of projects. So I don't have to feel guilty about seeing it. Huh? All right. So you're aware of the whole story about him being a horrible person, right? Oh yeah, that's okay. Well okay. For, uh, supposedly that's what Swimming with Sharks is based on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it all started coming out like him throwing stuff at people's heads in yes. Hollywood Reporter, and he uh, pulled his name off everything like a week ago. So, wow. Now. Yeah. Years okay, yeah. all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I had any okay, I do have a thought, and it's about a winner, and it's kind of a negative thought, but I'm still gonna say it. I really wish they would stop feeling obligated to give Pixar a Oscar just because they made a movie. Um, <laughs> I like Soul quite a bit. Um, I, I really would have liked to see Wolf Walkers win. It's not going to happen at the Oscars, no, Chris. It's, it's not. not. I would have liked to see Sean the Sheep win. You <laughs> not, know. not not up with the Pixar film up there or two. Although I will say, let's give credit where credit is due. I believe that this becomes like the third Pixar film ever to win two Oscars, and That's and Pete right. Doctor's directed two of them. So let's give a shout out to Pete Doctor, who might be the most underrated <laughs> and little known of all the great Pixar directors. Oh, oh gosh, he is not little known in our house, though. No, he but he is the public at large, I think. I think most people would not know that yeah. off the top of their head and would know Brad Bird and would know John Lasseter. That's true. And yeah, Pete Doctor has made, let's see, he's made so many of my favorite Pixar movies. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I was really like, there's an award i'm looking for because i want to be sure was it atticus ross and trent reznor won together along with john baptiste yes they did the score for soul and they were also nominated for mank yes and like i i you know 20 years ago if you had told me nine inch nails was going to be like dominating the oscars and (laughs) i think last year even the emmys because they did the watchman score which was so damn good um (laughs) I, i just i love seeing that uh yeah yeah, um, I, I can say safely say that one thing I was really glad about when we got to the end of the show was that I had not slept on the father. Um, 
I had put that one off for so long um, because once I didn't, I I didn't get to see it in time for voting. And so after that, it was kind of like just dragging my feet because I did not want to get around to the Alzheimer's drama because I felt like I know what this movie is. I know what it's going to be. And then I saw it and I will say the story was what I thought it was going to be, but the perspective that it's pulled through like knocked me flat, like such a good movie. And that last scene is cool. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, that last scene is crushing. I was doing good holding it together through the movie until that last moment. I would like to point out one thing that I wished had happened during the telecast and then I'm done. This is my yes. last thing. Yes. I really wanted either uh, that young actress or the writing staff from the Borat movie to win because they submitted the full title as the <laughs> official title of the movie. And had they won, they would have had to engraved Borat's subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan on the trophy. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> it makes me also realize I need to go back and rewatch uh, the Borat sequel because <laughs> I was not super impressed when I saw it. And I keep thinking back to it going, it's I, I sneaky good. That I, yeah, I don't, it's I don't really know that good. I did shake. I, I think I expected Borat, which I like. And it is I, not. We're a little different on Borat. I, I adore Borat. I adore the Ali G show. Mm-hmm. And this is a different movie than it the is. first one. And I think I, I was it. thrown, but uh, I need to go back and rewatch that. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I'm hoping is there was a part of me just wondering, I wonder if Steven Soderbergh's just filming a movie at the Oscars at the same time. He's producing it. Yes. Like, full frontal too. Like, yes. Like, absolutely. I just, I, I'm like that. That would not surprise me if next week it was just like, Oh, Steven Soderbergh's uh, third movie of the year is coming out and he filmed it at the Oscars and, yeah, he's he's having a hell of a retirement. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad he's making movies. It's, it's the world's a better place because Steven Soderbergh's in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, that brings us to the end. We will celebrate this Oscars. We will lift a glass of Mountain Dew in its honor. <laughs> Perry, in the meantime, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Perry Loves Film. You can hear me every Friday on the Lucy and Lance show on WLBY, 1290 AM in Ann Arbor. And you can often hear me at the Cathode Ray Mission podcast, which is uh, a, a joy. And I believe coming up in May, we are going to be doing a whole episode devoted to the career of Mr. Spike Lee. Ooh, that'll be fun. I'll have to listen to that one. Uh, you can find, I'll, I'll just toss out my newsletter. Uh, you can listen to me at Chris or God bless it. You can read me at uh, criticisms. It's at Substack. I'll put the notes in the uh, show notes. And every week I write about movies. I write about TV. Sometimes I'll go a little more personal, but it's really been more movies. And uh, in May, I'm going to start a series where I am writing about the films from the summer of 1996. That was a very formative year to be a uh, movie lover as a teenager. That was the that was the summer of Twister and Mission Impossible and Independence Day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I can see Perry loves all those movies. Yeah. Um, but but as a 15 year old, there was no better summer to have. So I'm going to do the ill advised thing <laughs> and revisit a lot of those movies. <laughs> Um, <laughs> going to crush your childhood memories. Okay, that's fine. If that's are, what you're into. Go for it. 
we are going to see how the uh, the baggage has settled and if my spirit breaks about the time we get to the nutty professor. So. Oh, Oosh. <laughs> we will be back in um, in two weeks and we will have a new series we're starting that we will tell you more about them, but I am really excited about this. It's going to take us through most of summer and uh, yeah, so stay tuned. That That's coming in two weeks. Perry, have a good one. Take care, Chris.